Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an X-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show through surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sean. My name is Ed. And I'm Sharon. And today on the show, we are talking about season two, episode eight, The Secret Sharer. First of all, how are we all this week? What do we think about discussing private topics in public places? I'm all for it. I am all for it. Like, let's get it out there. Then then people can really know the truth. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we now know who the whistleblower is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? And especially kind of, not only in regards to this episode, but just like in life, I guess, you know, if you're out, if if you hold data of somebody and you know things about somebody and you you make that known you know that that's not the best way to be is it no definitely don't do what i do and walk into the bullring and just shout people's secrets <laughs> from confidential databases do you know what i mean that's yeah. frowned on it is it's been arrested a lot uh, and things. live from her majesty's prison uh... <laughs> <laughs> hmp winston green <laughs> oh god love that one Local um, yeah so this is a this is a great episode i mean it starts Uh, we start kind of it starts with a a really cool shot of somebody cleaning the floor and Dr Green kind of running in and I always like those little establishing shots and just this is the the hospital kind of uh, you know what happens in the hospital it's just part of their little it adds to that tapestry of this this hospital um, world if that makes sense Um, and we see Green and where's he running to we don't know intriguing exactly yeah we we know that uh, in his life in the previous episode you know it was all action and go 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 so is he running to another action thing no he's running to a meeting but it does have bagels it does and cream cheese bagels and cream cheese i would run to one of those mm, me too me too Turn some smoked salmon i'll be there already <laughs> <laughs> how did you get in this door was locked <laughs> that's me <laughs> bagel crumbs cream cheese and smoked salmon hang yeah. my beard and it's like what and they're like you don't even work here <laughs> <laughs> listen you're gonna leave this stuff unattended you're gonna have to deal with me all right <laughs> so yeah he's been called into a meeting with morganston and bernstein two of the uh two of the top Ooh. dogs in the in this in the hospital and it's all about doug because obviously you know last week was a big doug episode and this He's now this bona fide hero, as um, Morgan Stern calls him. And they're here to talk about his employment because obviously Bernstein had told him he was fired. And now the board, who are loving the press and publicity, as all boards do, are like, we need to keep this guy. Um, and so it's kind of falls into Bernstein to, to, to be the one to offer him that role, which, you know, you can see Bernstein is just not happy about this at all. He's uh, the first of two characters in this episode that has to swallow a rather large slice of humble pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and he hates it. He stuffs his mouth for the whole thing. Right, just you, to, uh, Oh, actually, yeah, you're dead right. There is. Oh, and actually, sorry. Another one has just popped into mind. Yes, yes, you're dead right. But uh, he is clearly hating every moment of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Except for the best bit, though. So Doug comes in and they kind of... (laughs) Doug comes in, they're kind of all talking to him and offering him this this place. And and Doug straight off is like, well, who would supervise me? And you can see Bernstein is very, very happy to be like, Green, Green is doing it, not me, not me. Hands up, I've got nothing to do with this. 
And Doug plays a bit of hard to get, doesn't he? He's a bit like, well, you know, I've taken this other job. And it's like, yeah, but we all know how you really feel about that other job. You know, yeah. he's not going to not gonna take it easy. He's not going to just go, yeah, I'll take this. Yeah, no, not at all. Even like as, as we discussed last week, like 90 grand, it's a good salary. And it's yeah. probably a lot more than what he's on in the ER. So for money alone, you would think well, that's an easy decision. But he's never going to get the glory. No. You know, looking after scraped knees. And, no. you know, as you say, this hard to get thing, I don't buy it. You know, the, you know, can I have, well, he even asks for extra shifts, doesn't he? Yeah. For extra money. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he's trying to really, you know, parlay this into, into a better deal for himself. And I mean, I mean, you can see why he'd be a bit, bit kedded. He comes downstairs. Jerry's got a stack of fan mail. He's also got a proposal in the fa- over fax, you know, the most well. romantic way to be proposed to, of course. Um, you know, so we're seeing the love for the, for Doug from everywhere else. Not so much within the ER. Mm. Nobody around there is that impressed, I don't seem to think or they've just gotten over whatever it is they're like yeah we all save lives all the time so but we also find out i guess um in that beginning opening scene is that they're going to give him an award and that green is presenting because you know demi, demi moore's busy um so that that's another thing you know green has to present this award to ross and there we've seen their friendship is obviously at the moment going through quite a lot and in this episode goes through quite a lot more so it you know really sets that whole kind of thing up this this opening scene in there yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. um we have uh everyone is we also have just nice and kind of like almost unannounced uh it's like a, a moment before it is uh genie arrives for a day on the er and everything just is better better yes, with her yes yeah it's funny, actually, I was watching this episode and I thought, we haven't seen Weaver for a while. She's not been around. I thought that too. I was missing her when I watched it again. I was like, oh, I miss the grouchy one. Where's she been, actually, for the last no while? No idea. She just hasn't been around. And I was like, oh, that's in, that, it's in, I'm not sure why, but... Um, I've got a theory. Oh, She's go the on. one who actually told the kids to play in the storm drain. <gasps> She's the architect of it all. <gasps> was she trying to kill Doug or was she hoping yeah, that he yeah. would save? Playing like puppets. Oh, <laughs> That's what the hand gesture was. Not that you can see it, but that was me. He yeah. was doing the hand puppet gesture type thing. And was she the one who played the romantic violin music when the... Anyway, sorry, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> slight spoiler for uh, later on in the episode. But yeah, you're right. Jeannie's come in and it's always great. You know, she's talking, she comes, she's over, talks to Benton. She was expecting a different doctor to be on. She's in the ER that day because she's has to work on her suturing. And I love it straight out. She's like, is that going to be a problem? Because she knows what it's like dealing with Benton. Is that going to be a problem? And he's just like, no, no, it's fine. You know, Um, so that sets up that little, you know, that will be bubbling in the background. And we know obviously there's tension there and, and they've had that run in last week when, you know, Jeannie had, he'd asked, Jeannie had kind of spoken over him and said, uh, diagnosed his patient and then he'd punished her and she'd come back, you know, with her, here's all the stuff and here's a new diagnosis. Um, so it's nice to have that kind of going on as well in the background. Yeah. Uh, I have written down here as a note, Benton L. Pricko. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like he's telling the Bella name. <laughs> yeah it, it, oh my goodness yeah <laughs> cries in spanish <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah oh. 
And then Carter's dealing with a cute little family, a little boy and, a, and his mom. And the little boy's called Wilbur. That's his American name that he chose himself, which I thought was just the most adorable little name for this little boy. Um, the boy is suffering from what Carter thinks is Bell's palsy and what that's what he diagnoses. But the mom just doesn't think that Carter is a doctor. He looks too young. She's not happy. She wants a second opinion. Carter's obviously very frustrated by this and it, it kind of blows it, it sends him off his game a little bit as well because he's, he's not as good with the diagnosis and doing all the things he should do. I thought he was quite confident in some ways when he came back but I did quite like the moment that Wilbur was translating which is you know a degree of maturity translating yeah. you know across two languages but then she managed to speak English for I want to see a real doctor I'm like oh you know she knew those words didn't she? Yeah, <laughs> I wondered about that. I was like, are they trying to say that actually she could always speak English, or was it that that was something she she knew just kind of that line, or was it something that maybe she's she does she does know English, but she's not that confident maybe about using yeah. it, and then at that moment because of kind of being pushed, she kind of uses it. I don't know, but it's it was an interesting. I always really like the way they kind of do these things when they bring in people and they they make it really real by saying oh look this lady's obviously immigrated from somewhere and English isn't her first language and that fall then falls upon the children to kind of be that that voice for their parents um and I, I always like little touches like that because it's very true to life and then and then um we, we have a nice little scene between Green and Lewis where Green we realize Green has been kind of covering for Lewis Lewis hasn't managed to sort out a babysitter yet and green says to her okay but you're gonna have to because i've i've covered all, like a lot of your night shifts and it just again reinforces that there's that kind of supportive relationship between them both and that he's been kind of there and looking after um you know helping her supporting her which is always a nice little at least that relationship for green is going well yeah that's a, that's a good description um and it is because it's been something that we've discussed this before it has been you feel it's lacking that yeah. relationship because it was so strong in the first season that you know they were best mates until you know they obviously had their their run-ins but it was definitely friends clashing in the first season whereas because of obviously where the story's taken them they've been so separate this year yeah they have you know? And we miss them. We miss their scenes. We loved it when when she told him he, she was going to adopt um, Susie. And he was very pleased. But yeah, it's we're not getting that substance. We're getting these touches, which you know, they're holding us over for a little bit. But we do want more. So if you are writers, if you're listening, give us more. <laughs> we want more. Sort I've it out. the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we get the paramedics come in. They're, they're some people that we haven't seen for a while have kind of come in, although not Raul. We've got Dwight instead of Raul this time. And they've come in with Shep and they've brought in um, somebody, a, a, a sibling called Julia, who has tried to commit suicide. She's come in with her brother. And, you know, the first thing Shep does is he kind of mentions that fact that the nurses have changed their colour of outfits. They've gone from that peach to this kind of nice, kind of dark pink, dark purple, I'm not sure, but um, he kind of mentions that. And then the, the the idea about her money pit that she's brought kind of comes up. So, you know, mm. Shep's been telling people, um, telling people things. And then we, so then Green and Hathaway are looking after this, this patient who's tried to kill herself. And it's a really touching scene because Carol's, the girl's obviously really struggling, really doesn't want to be helped. And 
for Carol, she at one point she says, you know, oh, God, I, I just hate this. And it's like, it must just be bringing stuff back up again for her. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favourite scenes in the episode, I think, is it's that thing like, you know, last time, uh, one of the last episodes, Hele was looking after the woman who'd been savagely beaten by her husband. Yeah. It's the same kind of, the doctors are faff, not faffing around, but working above her and, and uh, Carol's right in there, consoling her and just trying to look and trying to persuade her to take the activated charcoal tube, which doesn't look a lot of fun anyway, but she's yeah. really resisting. But Carol's the one who persuades her. Yeah. So to me, the, the nurses in those situations are actually doing a bigger job than the doctors in some ways. I agree. Because by keeping I... her, exactly, by keeping her calm, it obviously helps the doctors do their work. But also, I mean, no matter how much, I suppose, KY jelly, or whatever they use to insert the tube, if you're fighting that and fighting it and fighting it, you know, it's obviously it doesn't bear thinking about but and they do there was a and this is a kind of a production thing and it's grim but it was so well done Mm. is that as they're forced to uh put the tube in nasally there's just a shot of she's had she has a nosebleed yeah because i suppose you would wouldn't you and I mean, nobody mentions it. Nobody, you know, there's no kind of, oh, let's get her. Uh, it was just like, oh, it was just that extra moment of detail that added to the scene as well. And it is, it's grim and it's heavy. And you do, you feel obviously for the girl on the table, Louisa, but I think I was feeling like, oh, Carol is, is Carol okay in this scene? Yeah. You know, because it's, yeah. because it's pills again exactly that and um and it, I, I imagine that trauma never really goes away anytime you get somebody coming in but especially somebody's taking pills because it was so similar to to what she has and she must really be able to understand that kind of desperate so when um the patient's saying no I don't you know doesn't want that treatment Carol's been there she knows what it was like when you mean it so um it, it must just kind of reopen stuff and we know Carol's so strong but um it, yeah I think Ed you're absolutely right it's really lovely moment between Carol and you know showing the nurse and the patient and the work that a patient uh, a nurse does with a patient and just kind of bring and, and always bringing that back up you know always going you know Carol did have this thing happen to her she you know she tried to commit suicide we're not going to not ever discuss that again. We're going to, it's real. So we're going to keep talking about it and keep that conversation going and show you what it's like. If you've done that, what then happens and the kinds of things that, that, that people face. And I just, I love that. I think it's a really brave choice for ER to kind of do. And they don't ever do it in a way like, oh, you know, committing suicide, how dare you? It's the only thing you look at. They, they do it really sensitively. I think they do it in a way that really understands that people who try to commit suicide you know, are, are deeply and well and deeply and happy. And they don't judge it. They just say, this is what it's like. And I like, I really like that about it because it, I think that's the kind of conversations people should have when it comes to things like this. We shouldn't be like saying, oh, well, that's wrong. You're wrong. You know. It's a very so. mature way as, as ever with most, with 99% of the storylines, they handle it in a very mature, balanced way. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and there's some, you know, some really deeply affecting storylines in all, in almost every single episode that you're going to find a storyline in one episode that's going to break your heart or whatever or yeah. lift your spirits but at the same time it's maybe until the late seasons I don't know but it's never dealt with in a heavy-handed issue you know kind of way it's very special episodes yes. yeah. yeah 
Um, I, I like to think what, what they did is that they remembered that in those kind of situations, there's a reason this person is on the bed. And that was treated with, with kind of care. Um, and, you know, there was, there was that. Now, I think all the way back to the pilot. And it was one line that was, it's sort of hammy looking back on it, but it's sort of one of the ethos of ER. Someone says, when Carol comes in, any idea why she did it? And Mark says, we don't ask that of anybody else. We're not asking this of her. Yeah. And yep. Yep. Now there was actually funny enough, I have a note written down about this scene about specifically about Mark. Right. And it's not a criticism so much as it is. He was unfortunately quite blasé. Get the restraint because he's he's obviously done this however many times before. And I'm certain that if you were in this situation, you would end up with a A to B to C. She struggles and so restraints. Restraint, yeah. you know, can't swallow the tube, therefore it's going in nice. You know what I mean? And then yeah, Ed, as you said, you have the lovely moment and you needed Hathaway there to counterbalance that. And I think it's the 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 brother whose name escapes me, um, he is standing there in the room. Um, putting it there, I was bragging about taking notes and I didn't write down his name. Kyle, his oh, name is Kyle. Kyle, thank you very much. Kyle is standing there and I believe it's both Hale and Mark speak to him, just basically say, you know, get out. But they yeah. say, like, Hale obviously says it nicer than that. <laughs> but you know, Mark then goes and sees 20 more patients. <laughs> yeah. 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 And actually it's interesting because the one thing that this this scene sets up as well is this something's not right between these siblings they both are acting quite strange and and that is something obviously we then will find out later but you know it does really set up this kind of something's just not right something weird's going on here um little moment which is which is good i like that and then we go to one of my favorite characters mrs ransom oh who, i love her like any good British person, carries around doilies and a picture of Prince Charles, our future king, in her bag. And I mean, I know wherever I go, I do that. And I set everything out singing Will Britannia. Ed? Oh, yeah, I've got it so um, you just can't see it. It's off camera. And for the people at home, I have a full-size Charles and Diana Union Jack. Um, yeah. yeah, I have teapots everywhere. Because we adore the Queen, don't we, Sharon? We do. God save the Queen. God um, save her. Oh, I'm chewing on the sides of my tongue right now. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, little segue. I went to Edinburgh last year, and it's a very touristy place, but I adore it. But well, I went past a, quite a few tartan shops, and one of them had a, a commemorative Diane, Princess Diana tartan. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to leave that there, but... I was um, surprised and mystified about that. I mean, people will do anything for money. And Diana's yeah, a big Americans, sale. Yeah, Americans love. And we do mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was very lascivious. I was quite excited by that, sure. <laughs> it's, I mean, my, it's my Christmas gift from me to you. <laughs> oh, so yeah, we get this Mrs. Ransom who is basically Mary Poppins. She's got the big bag. She's singing. She looks after children. She's British. Um, it, it's hilarious. She's even got, I noticed she's got a brolly hanging off a drip um, stand in the background. I was like half <laughs> expected to have a little duck's head and be talking <laughs> to her and dishing out some sass. Yeah, that would have been cool. 
Just um, a spoonful of... And if I sing any more of that, we'll get sued by Disney. Um, <laughs> Again. <laughs> added to the list. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. But uh, And she's so lovely. Now, um, I actually didn't get a chance to check. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that actress in other things. Um, yeah, I think she... Quick look. Yeah. Um, and this is... Thankfully, we get a little bit of Susan's... Uh, Susan's plot more or less revolves around this patient. Yes, it does. Um, yes. And it's quite cute. It is. It is. Um, I had a, maybe I've been ruined by the uh, Rolodex that they that the the nurses and the doctors keep at uh, at the main station, but um, she was being so nice and you know, just, oh I you know I don't take pills. I was just wondering if there was something you could give me to get back on my feet. It's like she's so in for Demerol. She's actually <laughs> a joke. There's no way she's, she's that nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. She needed a bit of pep. Oh, really? Absolutely, yeah. Is that yes. what you call mm. it? <laughs> yes, would you like it in syringe or tablet form? <laughs> uh, um. I've, um, so, you, the re- I bet Sean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves with EHBI, uh, that one. Well, I, I just had it open, and uh, she was in uh, the pilot episode of uh, Voyager. She was! She's one of the caretakers' people. She's carrying the corn. Yep. She's been Carry, in loads of stuff. Carrying right. the corn. She's yeah. carrying the corn. Well, that's it. Yeah, sorry. And some like people it. will know what that means straight away, and some people will, well, Seems they won't look at me. They'll look at their phones as if they've got. I got two heads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh no way! That's cool. Yay! Another one for the list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, this list, this, this list is getting long. Yes, it is. Um, and then Ross kind of comes back in. In as as Mr. Hero because he they're bringing in a child who's suffering from a quite a bad asthma attack and acute asthma attack and he gets to step up and be Mr. Action and Mr. Let's look after this kid. Um, also, sorry, something I've completely forgot to mention about it from the first scene is we find out he's going to get this award and to me it was just another moment. It was like they've found another way to get dug into a tux, haven't they? They've gone right. Let's give him an award. That's another tux. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, as we know, that they like to do. Oh yeah, um, sorry. Going back to that scene, did anyone else wish that Bernstein would actually choke on his bagel? Because absolutely, be I think the most we can hope for right now is cholesterol gets him. Okay, I think. Fine. Sorry, I just that's it. Happen. Yeah, and then like he's kind of choking, and they're all looking, and Doug's like. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Heimlich, but you have to be, you know, you have to resign your position and give me all your money or something <laughs> before right. I do it. Or just like Doug standing there going, I don't know what to do. You literally performed a tracheotomy <laughs> with a pen <laughs> last week. Yeah. And I don't know what to tell That's you. That's so much for a Stanley and a Capri Sunstrel. You'll be all right. So, yeah, you know, Ross is looking after this, this uh, child who's not very well. It's kind of that familiar world we know about. And, um, this this case causes a lot of trouble for him because he the boy comes in and he's trying to treat him he finally kind of gets him well and Hale comes in and says the HMO needs needs to move the child to a different hospital and Doug's not happy about that he wants to keep him but instead of you know going and doing it in the right way by you know maybe speaking to Dr. Green or trying to speak to the HMO himself he decides to falsify a chart which both Hale and Chuni are obviously so not happy about because it could cause trouble and Doug just doesn't seem bothered by that at all you know both Chuni and Hale are like Doug you can't do that you're falsifying the charts when this comes back to haunt us you know it's going to be incorrect and we'll get in trouble but also it's like ethically not right to do and he just is not bothered and this is where 
again, you, you, that sympathy, that or any some of that goodwill that you may have been built up with Doug for everything from the last episode is starting to kind of it erodes fade. and it erodes quickly yeah. in this episode. Yeah, and it's obviously it's very deliberate. Uh, Chuni goes straight for the jugular. She uses very deliberate language. She says, "I will not perjure myself on yeah. a charge," and that's like you know, I'm standing up in court here. Yeah. Um. So. That's how serious it is. Well, yeah, exactly. It's how serious it is. And I, I, I didn't like the way that Doug didn't listen to them or didn't care because it felt mm-hmm. very much like, you, like you say, you know, they'd end up in court and he, he has more power than them at this point. It just seemed really like a real crappy thing to do to, to your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my literal note is Doug is reveling in his cowboy antics. Yeah. I don't say activity, it's antics. It's it the behaviour of a child, as usual. It he really, really is. He was really pissy with Carter earlier. So Carter did the otoscope uh, <clears throat> examination on Wilbur, and he forgot to look for ves- vesicles, which would suggest a more serious condition than Bell's palsy. Yeah. And he's really snippy with him. He is. Patronising. Yeah, I don't know if it's a hangover from their aggressive homoerotic basketball game a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Very <laughs> um, nice basketball It was game. a good game. yeah. yeah. I had front row seats. Oh, it was gorgeous. But um, yeah, I just thought he was really harsh. With, yeah, Carter made a mistake, but he was very dismissive and very crap with him. And actually, was... that was a really great scene because, so uh, Harper's kind of on the computer and Carter comes over and they've still got this weird awkwardness going. And she's obviously trying to, you know, get back in his good books and she, she asks him out and, and he's, he's like rebuffing her a bit. And then Doug comes in to really underline that kind of the thing that broke them apart. You know, Doug's there standing between them like, oh, sorry, I'm in the way kind of thing. And then he has that little thing at Carter. And although he may be right that Carter should have checked for that, that's probably different ways you could say it. Um, mm. Because, you know, Carter's still learning and it it felt a bit again like you say a bit pissy and a bit like look at me i am the king yeah this is this is not an episode where it's like hey isn't doug wonderful it is not one of those it's last week absolutely this week mirror universe version of doug comes (laughs) in yeah the dark eyeshadow and everything absolutely and the goatee (laughs) Um, what i think is that's i think it's so good that they do that though because they don't just go right we've done this heroic thing and that's it he's a brilliant character now we all love him they go actually how would this really deeply flawed and angry and unhappy and character actually how would he be if he all of a sudden had this kind of injection of fame and injection of admiration and glory and this is probably how he would be so i think it's a great study as much as he annoys me it's 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 a i i would I prefer it that they did that then tried to pretend like all the other stuff was fine and just ignore yeah. it and go pedestal boy, you know, that would annoy me. That's a good point. Yeah, suddenly magically your team player and you know, oh overnight I was visited by the ghost of Christmas past and now, you know, I know how to be one of the, the good ones. And it's fine. And it's not that I mean his skills are not in question. No. It's how he uses them. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And then we have this really brilliant scene between where uh, Dwight and uh, Dwight and Shep are kind of talking about 
this, the Kaslov girl who's obviously coming with the suicide and they're doing that thing that a lot of people do and they kind of brush off the suicide attempt. Oh, they didn't really mean it. People, because people get, have so many theories and judgments about suicide and I thought it was so great that they discussed it. So they're both kind of saying they're talking about how, you know, oh, we know better. They probably just had a little fight with a boyfriend and taken a few pills and have got upset and people don't mean it if they do that and um and carol's there and she says oh well i meant it um yeah. and then walks off and shep and dwight are a bit like oh oh gosh and shep's asking you know is that true and nobody answers him but i thought it was a really great way to kind of confront that head on and, and confront those kinds of thoughts and ideas head on yeah shep he does put his foot in his mouth a hell of a lot yeah um it's one of those episodes like what what does carol see in him again oh, honestly <laughs> He's about, he's, he's like a poppy. He's as deep as yeah. a puddle. Mm. And, you know, he, when, when he tells you, I want to make you happy right now, he wants to make you happy right now. But he, even in that, there is a shallowness. You know, it's, I will make the grand gesture, but I won't yeah. put the dishes away. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that yeah, kind yeah. of, there's no substance behind yeah, and nice it's not a sustained thing or a yeah. fully thought out thing. It's just like you say, I'll, I'll walk you over the threshold, but doesn't, won't go kind of past that. And I think it's, I thought it was really important that those words were put into the mouths of paramedics as well, because there's, it's good to see people in the medical profession see that they're human and that they have their own prejudices and thoughts, because otherwise we might think, well, you know, all medical people in the medical industry are kind of angels and they all have no judgments and, and, and that isn't true. And we, we know that's not true. So I thought it was really important that that showed up these kinds of misunderstandings, even in people who work in that field, they still hold those thoughts. You know, I thought that was really, really well done as well. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. There was one... I think it's it's nearly a throwaway line. It's in between these scenes because Mark is going through this. Uh, oh, it's do you know what? Actually, it's the setup to Shep's comment. Mark is just going through uh, the form with Carol, and they get her test results back. They find that she swallowed two bottles of oh, pills. Yeah. And Mark again, it comes across blasé, but we know this. It's not that bad. He goes, she might be in line for a new liver. And it's just delivered yeah. like that. And it's like, oh, wow. So she might not have killed herself, but she might have destroyed herself. Yeah, exactly that. <clears throat> and it rough. also just shows how, how dangerous it is when people take pills. You know, you may survive, but then you may, will have, of life. can have, yeah, yeah. your long, yeah. long things that may happen. And it's a good way of kind of enforcing that really and showing that. For sure. Um, Going back to Susan, so you can, I thought there's this moment with uh, Susan talking to her mum over the phone about trying to get some overnight care for little Susie. And just like, you can hear her screeching down the phone. It reminded me of, you know, these old Warner Brothers cartoons where somebody would speak on the phone and yeah. see where the phone turns to a pair of lips and go, rawr, rawr, rawr. It yeah. just reminded me because like, you could hear, you could hear Cookie over the phone. Oh, like, Cookie's absolutely. useless. Oh, she's God, so she's terrible. useless. She's the worst. She's yeah. like, you need to keep the baby, but I'm not going to help you in any way to look yeah. after the baby. And, and not even for one night. She's like, well, what about my sleep? You know how I, I can yeah. be. It, it, it just really, it's just beggar's belief, really. This, this yeah. 
sense of you need to keep the baby, but I'm not going to help you in any way. I'm going to absolve myself of all responsibility. But if you give the baby away, you're the bad person. It's just horrible. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and there must be, it does feel like something is there because at the moment she's an incredibly two-dimensional character. She is the yeah. mother from hell, you know? Mm. Um, and you you kind of, I, I, I caught myself while I was watching this going like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Chloe makes a lot of sense now. Okay, you know. Um, More sense than Susan in some ways. Well, exactly. It's like, how did hang on from the same... And what what confuses me slightly is that, you know, our first in-person meeting of Cookie was her, you know, doing the silly thing, turning up with all the balloons and, yeah. and all of that. And then immediately turns around and says, oh, I've changed my mind to Susan. So we never met her when she agreed. Yeah. You know? So now the confusing thing is that, well, why did she ever agree? Because even now on the phone, I won't take her for one night. It's not happening. No. Yeah. Like, how did she, unless she was so excited about being a grandmother, that that kind of coloured her for a little bit. She was like, oh, yes, I'll had had this kind of rosy idea about what it might be like. And then later is starting to think about it. And is actually like, no, wait, the realities are very different. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right about her. And then we, we have, uh, and then we've got, um, we find out a bit more about the Kazlovs. We find out that their mom has passed away and that their dad's not around a lot or he works a lot. So we're starting to find these little droplets about the, these, these pair of siblings. But again, you know, the, the brother the whole way through just looks, he's just, he looks like he's done something wrong the whole way through. And and that is what kind of keeps you kind of plugged into their story because you're like well something's not right here and we're gonna find out soon hopefully what is going on with these two but it's sad to hear about their lives yes it is yeah um there's i mean as you said there there is a dysfunction to their family and i mean if maybe we'll we'll address this now yes um, do it the discovery, so the, it, there wasn't a shock when her test, her pregnancy test came back positive. I, it's sort of, it's both a trope and it was written well, you know, the, the kind of the lead up to it, the reveal. So, you know, we did a barrage of tests and one of the tests was a pregnancy test and it came back positive. So that in itself was not, uh, not much of a shock. Have I lost you guys there? So the reveal that she's pregnant, for me, it wasn't a shock insofar as, in a way, it's kind of a trope. Yeah. Girl attempts suicide, comes in, finds it's because of this. And see, there was a moment where you're like, okay, but, but it's not that because it's been written quite well. As you say, there's been great little just droplets of something's not right here. Yeah. And the reveal truly is, it's more of a, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. You know, as opposed to, a, oh, this is that, like, none of that wasn't my reaction at all. It was just, oh, how sad. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And situation. I, I think the way they did it as well. So we find out she's pregnant and then you find out it's the brothers. And, and because of the way the brother has been presenting, very kind of angry, very stressed, I was like, oh gosh, did he rape her? 
Um, but Carol, you know, talks talks to um, both brother and sister, and you you find out actually what's happened is that he's been very upset since the mum has passed away, and he's been seeking support and care from his uh, older sister, and it just happens. So there there is no sense of fault. Um, they've just found themselves in a very desperate place and in very weird circumstances, which um, okay, so at least it's not great because I think that would have just for me pushed a bit further it's but you know it's still a huge deal this is incest this is this is this poor yeah. two people <laughs> the way it was explained because you know he was crying at night so much and yeah. he was he hadn't cried like this since he was a little kid and all the rest of it and so she went in to, to, to be the big sister and to provide that lovely level of support and then it was a bit like then one thing happened then another do you know what I mean? one thing led to the next it was like no, no, that doesn't happen. No. Or sh- okay, that this is very judgmental. It shouldn't happen, but it's just like how how does it go that far? It is. It is crazy. Yeah, it is. And and do you know what? Like, I think, I think we we can say this without it coming across as judgmental because I want to be really careful in a way. Not that I'm not advocating for one thing or another, or not not advocating. But what goes on in family? There is no stencil. There is no one size fits all. And they talk about, they are clearly devoid of love. Um, Their mum has passed away and they openly talk about their dad. And now we do meet their dad. And that is actually also, it's really interesting how he is depicted as well. But there does almost seem like they have an image of him, which may or may not be, the truth or in or reality sorry as opposed to the truth it could be their truth yeah um and yes in you know that and she does she says it was one so it's not a relationship that they're in together it's which i don't know is i don't know which would be more you know they have you know come to each other for support i don't know i don't know but there's no as you said there's no blame there's no like someone did something wrong and the shock on like carol's face is a bit like yeah i don't know how to handle this one i don't have the skills on what to say here yeah and unfortunately and like the say, shock yeah, yeah i'm just like the, the shock on carol Oof. does come back yeah and and then as you say we hear about the dad and you kind of hear that we hear that kyle say you know my dad will kill me he's got a yeah. gun um he's very angry we've heard that he's not around a lot so you know when he does turn up and he's kind of he's in a suit and he is a bit softly spoken in some ways he didn't match up i guess to what i was expecting when kyle is talking about about the dad um and this gun-toting kind of angry dad that i was expecting yeah you do yeah i know what you mean i i had that same sorry that same kind of Oh, I expected, didn't expect that slightly mild-mannered, pursuited chap. He expects me more, a bit more rougher and gruffer. I don't know. Maybe I'm making some kind of weird class judgment. I don't know. Same but, um, I did. I definitely did. Yeah. It's funny that, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it really goes downhill fast, thanks to somebody who really should know better, but she's got previous form. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> It's funny because actually Carol does say to Kyle at one point, you know, 
when he finds out that she knows about the pregnancy and that he's the dad, she kind of says to him, you don't worry, we won't tell your dad anything. You know, he won't hear anything from us that we, you don't want us. And it's like, Oh, Carol, don't, don't make promises you can't keep because the later completely out of character in some ways, but also maybe it's yeah. because of the shock of the situation mm. that they're having to discuss. So she's discussing with Lydia about the fact that, you know this situation is happening not realizing that behind them is mr kaslov who's filling out a form and he can over he's overhearing everything um and surely chucks the form back at them and walks out she's like oh what what you know what's wrong and then she picks up the clipboard and realizes actually that's the dad and she's told him now and it's it's an interesting scene really because it's I can see how it could be done but you're also a bit like oh come on Carol do better don't talk it, about this situation it was presented as the way they were talking it was almost like idle gossip it's like yeah. oh god can you believe what's happening there do you know what I mean it's yeah it's people gossiping in the supermarket or somewhere else but not in an emergency department about an extremely sensitive subject yeah. do you know what I mean extremely uh, sensitive uh, patient yeah, where people are walking around and can hear. Exactly. If it was even in the staff room, it would be, you know, yeah. guys, yeah. don't talk about this, come on. But yeah. clearly with it, and even, you know, uh, not to belabor a point, but okay, Carol had her back to him. Lydia was looking right at him. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? You know, there was kind of a, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, black mark against their names. And they go straight, well, they do go straight to yeah. Green and, and they tell him, they say, you know, look, we've done this um, thing. And and then something very strange happens. That I, I need to just point out, they all go into the room together and they say, look, sorry, you know, your dad's found out because they were talking, you know, people have been talking. Your dad has found out. But we're going to post this nurse, male nurse in your room to keep you safe from this gun wielding angry father that you have told us about. Why Someone not- drew the short straw. Security. Why and yes. just a male nurse by himself standing there? I found that very strange. Was a bit, yeah. It's like surely there's a guard. Yeah. Was, yeah. Say about Carol as well. She she drops the ball massively here, but wasn't she also the one who left some morphine unattended a few weeks ago? Ooh. Like, is Carol that good a nurse? <laughs> oh, we're get murdered. But you are. She has fans. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I definitely love her, and I think she's yeah. great. But at the same time, these two, the big drops. You think you'd be pulled up for like a disciplinary or something, you know, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, it's all right. The male nurse is there. He's going to sort everything. It's all out. fine. Yeah. He's packing yeah. heat. He'll be fine. Yeah. It's grand. It's cool. Sure, all male nurses do. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then on the other side, we've got so Doctor Green is now talking to Tuni, saying, you know, uh, what what's happened here you know what did the did the boy crash why has it got such differing kind of vitals and Tuni doesn't actually drop dug in it but she says you know she she points out you know I'm only a nurse you know what do I know and she says I I nothing happened I put what I put and obviously Green understands that Doug has falsified this and that's when he does confront Doug and he says to him you know you can't do that and points out the fact that the HMO probably wouldn't pay if they found out and this is where we're saying to Doug you know this is where you've got to think beyond your nose and think beyond what you decide and the the consequences of your actions you could do that and the family could then be liable or the kid might not be able to afford any medication or all kinds of things and 
why didn't he go to Dr. Green? Why didn't he try to talk to the HMO? Why does he always just seem to think that he is the last word on everything and that everybody will just be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's, he's Doc, you know, he's a Wild West doctor. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, you know, it's always, you know, oh, we've got to do this thing right this second. Or it's like, well, actually, no, to be honest. Like, and to be fair, yes, the kid was having an asthma attack and yes, it's bad, but they got him on a nebulizer. Yeah. He was okay. You know, he could have traveled, basically, is what they're saying. Um, And, yeah, so, and it it calls back to when when Kerry called him out over, you know, curbside diagnosis. It's that kind of thing. It's like, Doug, this is not your ER. This is the ER in which you work. Yeah. Yeah, you're not God. You don't have the answers. Uh, you might think you're doing something noble, but you're not, you know, you, you're endangering the kid's life, really, because as you, as we say, you know, if, if the HMAs don't pay and the family might be bankrupted and the kid might not be able to afford the next set of medication the kid might need or just all of that stuff. But then what happens is it does set up this kind of, you start seeing the resentments that Doug has got towards Green because, you know, Green takes him aside and says, you know, you can't do this. There are processes. And, and, and he's like, oh, I'll be, you know, you're, he kind of says to him, you'll be my manager. You'll be looking after me kind of. And you see that Doug's not happy about that idea that Green will be his manager. You, you realise that that's actually hurt him. And he, for some reason, and I, I, I don't know if he is above or below. I, I assume Doug is below Green, that Green is more experienced but Doug doesn't seem to accept that he seems to think that him and Green should be the same and that Green shouldn't have all these other responsibilities or be a be a manager to him which we see now is a real big thing for him and it, it really affects their relationship there is there's a machismo to mm. him that you know it, it it doesn't tend to play well particularly with other men. We see him butting heads with Benton throughout the course of the show. Uh, he, as you correctly pointed out, the way he spoke to Carter there earlier as well. There's that machismo to him, uh, as I said. So, you know, he can be dashing to the, you know, the nurses and, to, you know, the female doctors, but, you know, ask him to try and play well with, other men not so much and i mean it all comes to a head we get these the two traumas come in uh you know green's in one room ben uh benton, not benton he's on my mind um <laughs> uh, and doug's in the other room and they're both looking after their patients and they both want their patients to have a ct scan and this is where they have a real kind of head-to-head argument about it because Green overrules Doug and says, no, my patient needs it. Doug comes in, checks Green's patient. It's like, no, no, he doesn't need it. And they have this argument. And Green says to him, you know, don't get in a pitch with me about this. And then he has to say, he says to Doug, go home, uh, you know, yeah. in front of everybody, go home. And... I don't think he was entirely out of order. I Not think at all, that Doug yeah. is really pushing him again here. It's so, yeah, it seems to be self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. He doesn't believe he's, he deserves all this help. So he's doing what he did a few episodes ago, pushing people away when they want to help him. Yeah. Or, you know, when they're around, it's just, it's so, I want to shake him. Mm. Mm. Wow. 
Um, and it's funny, actually, you mentioned, uh, Sharon, you were saying about, you know, this, this family, you know, he's potentially financially screwed them by trying to help with yeah. the, the HMO. And that got me laughing because there is another patient in this episode who may potentially be facing financial ruin because <laughs> Carter is so nervous about the fact that he might have misdiagnosed someone. So we walk in and everything but the kitchen sink <laughs> is surrounding this poor patient who came yeah. in with chest pains. Yeah. yeah. And who actually was sitting up and didn't seem so ill. Yeah. And even Lydia's like, why are you ordering all of these yeah, and it's a brilliant scene because you see so he's ordering all these um tests and then we find out actually it's it's mr Vus- doc sorry dr Vuselage, not mr he didn't go to med- medical school to be called mr <laughs> he um dr Vuselage, it's his patient so that then for carter is even more full steam ahead and we have this great moment because somebody's come in to the a patient has come into the ER who is in need of a lot of sutures because he's basically ran through a plate glass of you know plate of glass as you do on your 25th birthday and Benton's like oh, it's okay Jeannie I'll get Carter and in the background you see Carter kind of with all these like crazy pieces of machinery that over this one so woman good. and directing all these people around him and and Benton's like Carter and he's like what and then he realises he's <laughs> talking that, to Benton <laughs> that was just a brilliant moment for Noah while it shows yeah. he's got his comedy chops the, the, the momentary look of oh god I said that to Benton <laughs> it was just oh it gave me life it was just brilliant uh, and it, it, it's, it's so funny because then you know Benton takes Carter out and starts like really having a go at him what are you doing why are you doing all this and he's like well it's Dr. Vucelich's patient and he's still kind of going mad at him and and then Dr. Vucelich comes over and he's so pleased with, with Carter and you can just see Benton just shrink and especially because yeah. Carter gets to go and do a femme pop which sounds so exciting in this uh, in surgery bypass, yeah. yeah femme pop bypass which I to me just go. sounds like a I don't know, a K-pop band or something. Or another death metal band. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Crack on. I'm, I'm, I, why not both? Death metal, K-pop. I'm okay yeah. with that. I like um, it. Um, and I love, I love as well. So Carter completely accidentally um, catches something and usually just walking <laughs> in and, you know, Benton... Um, it's always nice to see Benton having to eat a slice of Ed, good catch earlier on, another slice of humble pie. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you know, he's supposed, you know, view switch is like, oh, Carter, you know, well done. This is perfect. Blah, blah, blah. Come and join me for this, you know, very exciting surgery. Oh, Peter, don't you have some suturing to do or something? <laughs> yes, he, uh, that is, it's, it's, a real drop down for Peter. He is now Mr. Suture Boy. This is what Carter should have been doing, but Carter's, you know, been promoted. And and it's always fun when they do this little shift of kind of um, the dynamics between them, because obviously we, Benton's always, you know, Mr. Number One, and they have these moments where they'll switch over every so often. And we've seen it when uh, that re, the, that big donor came in and he had hurt his hand, and Benton had to suture him. And well, Carter got kind of spoken to in this great way, and uh, uh, we've now seen it again. And it's just such a it's such a fun comedic shift. So uh, a fembot by fempop bypass yes it's also ephemeral popliteal bypass surgery or generally known as lower extremity bypass surgery 
um, used to treat diseased leg arteries above or below the knee. So there we go. Wow. It's quite, it sounds like a quite heavy operation, really. It does. You'll learn a lot. And, and the fact that he's, he's got had to go up there means that, you know, Jeannie and Benter are in the most romantic place. County General's Paris, which is <laughs> the suture room. <laughs> never thought Me- about it that way. That's brilliant. That's great. <laughs> a lot goes Many's a love was born. Uh, yeah. It's perfect because it's, it's, it's dark. It's very kind of romantically lit. There's a lot of kind of close work done in there. So it just seems to be the place if you want to, you know. Now, is it, yeah. is it also out of the way within the ER as well? You can, it is. Yes. You can seclude yourself away in the suture room for exactly. a, a rendezvous. And that's exactly what Jeannie and Benton do, although it's not so much a rendezvous. Jeannie's being her usual lovely self, kind of trying to make conversation, and Benton's being his usual trying to shut conversation down. Um, but we do learn that Jackie was, is allergic to pollen, poor thing, because all she's ever wanted to do is work outside, and she can't, which made mm. me sad for her. As a hay fever sufferer, I really, really felt this moment. Same, same. I'm yeah. with you. And also that she's cheating on her um, her diet by having a Polish hot dog. Naughty. 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 But yeah, so we, we've got Benton and Jeannie together and they're having to spend time and it's awkward and it's funny. And, and Jeannie's doing her usual thing where she's breaking Benton down and they're able to start having more cordial conversation, which, you know, we love to see it. And... And then later, you know, Carter comes down, he's very high off his Fempop bypass and he's kind of bursts in and is all like, hey, I've got video, you want to watch it? And, you know, really just crashes this moment and then Jeannie leaves. And then he's all like, hey, Benton, isn't Jeannie beautiful and great and wonderful? And really like pushing Benton onto Mm. Jeannie. And Benton's like, no, no, she's married. And he's like, no, she's not. She's divorced. That's what she told me. And then Benton falls into a right, Mm. right mood with Jeannie because he, he should have been t- informed immediately the minute I, she signed her divorce papers. I was still reeling from the shock of his bad mood there as we started recording just because oh my goodness Peter Benton was in a bad mood with somebody again <laughs> oh no what on earth does off? she see it yeah. I mean yes he's a handsome man but has he ever made her smile he has. No, there have been moments so. where he's kind of. There's something about him that she. There's something about him that softens with her, and there is, and she and he has made her laugh and smile. But I have to say, I also am not entirely. I don't feel like they've sold Benton as a, a loving prospect at this point. Mm, <laughs> he's just no. so moody. He's hard to get through to, isn't he? Yeah, and then they have this moment where she he's kind of mad at her. She comes in and she's doing that lovely genie thing where she comes in and she's trying to, she you know, they've had this day together where they've spoken and thawed a little bit and she's come in to kind of mm. capitalise on that and he's gone into his mood. And then she rightly says to him, you know, this is, you know, this isn't for you to know, but me and him, me and my husband, me and Al, you know, there've been a lot of problems and it wasn't about you. And she doesn't owe him anything. She doesn't need nope. to tell him what's going on. So good on her. Again, Jeannie comes out number one in this. Yep, absolutely. Grace yeah. and calm. That's that's our Jeannie. It is, it really is. And I love her for that. And then we've got oh, this scene between Green and Doug where Doug's getting himself ready to leave for the day because Green has thrown him out and Dr. Green says to him, you know, can, can we have a word? And he's like, no, I'm not going to like talk to you. 
And then he gets a very interesting phone call. Um, we get Jerry saying, oh, Doug, phone for you. It's, it's your dad. And you can kind of hear a pin drop. There's a lot of tension all of a sudden in the room. And Carol looks up because this is an odd thing. So we, as the audience, are alerted to the fact that this is quite an odd thing that's happened. And it's only afterwards we find out a little bit. Greed kind of says to Carol, I didn't know you spoke to his dad. And Carol's like, well, they haven't since he was 12, which is quite an admission to find yeah. out about Doug. And maybe he's telling us something about their relationship yeah it's a uh, you know and there's no there's no shock really well sorry the shock is oh my god dad's working but as soon as you think of the context he's you know in you know he's not in the tux yet but he's gonna head to this award ceremony because he's you know the bright boy of the moment and the fact that he gets the phone call from his dad then you just know straight away it's like this guy's bad news this yeah. guy is one of those like, oh, hey, I'm your cousin. We met that time. You won the lottery? I'm so, I never knew. <laughs> I just yeah. thought now was the perfect time to reach out. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. Mm, and yeah, it, pull the other one. Yeah, <laughs> and it sets him in a bad mood. And what ends up happening is that they, they go to the award ceremony and Doug is missing and... Morgan Stone is like, we don't know where he is. And Green's like, oh my God, I have to go find him. And he finds him and he's throwing himself a little pity party where he's playing pool, his pity pool party. And um, he's kind of feeling just, oh, he's just being really like self-pitying, which I didn't enjoy. Not a good look on you, Doug. You no. can wear most things, but not self-pity. It does help that he's wearing a tux, though. <laughs> it <does>. always <laughs> helps when he's wearing a tux. Yeah. He's all uh, like, oh, you know do you want to hear my speech and his speech is basically about how morgan stern's so far up his ass that he can feel his mustache mustache tickling him and, yeah. and bernstein is risen all the way to the middle and <laughs> um and green and i don't like what he says about green he says you know you'll inherit the you self-righteousness you'll inherit the er and it's like just because he has ambitions and because he's good at his job and he's not self-righteous he's he's right you're self-righteous mm. Um, and that's what he threatens to say on, on stage and Green's like don't do it you'll ruin everything um, and luckily he does it there is a moment though where you think he's going to say because he, he gets up to say his speech he says right there are a few things I want to say about people and everybody's like <gasps> you see everybody's faces and then he's like but you all know what I think about you <laughs> and I like that because that was quite you know funny it's a way of saying it without having to say it mm. definitely uh, it is. It's, we... it's the great kind of pleasant cop-out yes yeah and it's great and then later we see you know he's on the roof he throws the award off the roof could have killed somebody yeah um, i know right yeah. give, him, give him some work to kind of run down and be the hero again <laughs> yeah oh no there's someone yeah. got hit in the head with this although he does mention it bounces that it might be acrylic so maybe it's actually it just looks fancier than it is Oh, I mean, I still want to be hitting it on, hit on the head with a flying, you know, award. Acrylic award. Yeah, still got some heft to it. I'd really <laughs> rather not. But that's when him and Green have this kind of little heart to heart, and and Doug confesses about his dad and how he thinks he's turning into his dad. Is is starting to do a lot of things his dad did, and you see that trouble. You start to maybe understand a bit about where this stuff for him comes from um and we start to then understand that this this dad's probably going to come back and be a figure that will really reckon in kind of doug's life yeah definitely 
And then we go, we, we go on to Susan, who um, goes up to daycare and finds her dad there with little Susie, which was, is such a cute scene. You know, this dad that we, we know sits in his bar lounge all day, doesn't leave the house, wants to really want, seems to want to engage with little Susie, but because of the mom has always been thwarted. And he actually got himself up and out and he's in the daycare and he says to Susan, you know, I will have, I will look after her. I'll stay at yours and I will. And I love that. I love that this idea that this dad who probably hasn't been there maybe for all her life is all of a sudden gone. I'm going to step up for my granddaughter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's lovely. And it's also, I mean, it's the first time we've seen a member of her family do something that helps her. Because yeah. Chloe, be, Chloe being the disaster that she is, she's a leech you know, and I don't know, the nicest thing you could say about Chloe is that I don't think there's any active malice in her. I don't think she's, mm-hmm. you know, world-wise enough for that. Yeah. Uh, Cookie is obviously so self-involved and so just nobody matters but me. I'm having my retirement time. I'm having fun. To the fact of where um, her her dad mentions well, listen, I'm in the bad books because of this, for doing something good, for being a grandfather. I'll have to mind her in your apartment. I won't be able to bring her to ours. It's mad. I mean, it shows that that dynamic is just not right at all. But it also just starts this really sweet relationship between her Susan and her dad, which from watching everything that Susan's had to go through, it's so nice to see that she's got a solid family member who's finally there to back her and and she could build on that it's 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 really nice to see yeah yeah for sure and then yeah. outside we're following carter carter is trying to track down wilbur harper's tagged along she's obviously really trying to kind of make things up to him she's offered to make him dinner he softens a bit and takes her so they can do this house call on wilbur so they go to wilbur and wilbur's like oh you missed something didn't you <laughs> which is <laughs> really funny and um you know, Carter does his tricks, Wilbur's fine. And then him and Harper have a little bit of a heart to heart. He's trying to talk about work. She's like, let's let's not. But it is mentioned that, you know, he's four months off being called a proper doctor. I thought he was a doctor at this point, so I have to take back all my Dr. Carter because he wasn't a doctor at this point. So he's four months off, I didn't realise. So right, we'll go back and take down every previous episode of this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Medical student. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, and then they have a kiss, so Carper is back on. And when you thought that there was no hope for them, if you cared about them at all, but um, you know, some people aren't interested in them, but they are back on, it seems. Yeah, they do have a nice little moment, don't they? Yeah. Happy ending for yeah. about 10 minutes. This is a ER. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because Mrs. Ransom has got some bad news coming to her. Yeah, she's I dying. Know. Yeah, like, it's terminal. Well, I just felt bad for Susan. She's like, I've got to babysit. Ah, oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Yeah, like the references come through. The references are glowing. You know, she's practically Mary Poppins in every single way. Yeah, we've seen her quiet a baby earlier. Yeah, and no, that's it. You're out. And thing is, Mrs. Ransom knew the whole time. Yeah. She'd had the, you know, she's, oh, I don't want to have that. I think I know what's best for me, which was a little bit annoying. Mm. But at the same time, if she goes in for transfusion, that's, that's her life from now on is basically yeah. staying in hospital until the end. But no, she's facing it in her own way, which is also, I can see both sides. 
Absolutely. Like Susan couldn't leave her in charge because it's not implied that she could drop at any moment, but it's also implied that, you know, she cannot be in a situation of responsibility. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and she obviously leaves. They've a disagreement. But there's also that sort of possibly dark idea of like, she leaves, she has a discussion with Susan. Is she about to go and apply for work with another family? <laughs> yes, I think she is. She's yeah, one of those kind of thing, people who just can't imagine not working, isn't she? Yeah. And so I think that she will, which is quite sad because yeah. the only but reason is Susan Ransom. Found- oh, bottom of the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nanny Ransom. <laughs> But, yeah, especially if she's carrying a kid and she has a, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kid and she is at the bottom of the stairs. She's not the only one there. And yeah, it's not. Kid, if you're listening to this, land on Nanny Ransom, okay? Uh, <laughs> oh, God, speaking of irresponsibility, the, the Civil Warian actor. There's so much in this episode. There's so much going on. So much. So what was with him? He's, he's an idiot. Oh dear! Oh, it's just that moment where he, yeah. Is he suffering from some form of dementia, or is he just that method? Oh, That's method. what I couldn't understand. Oh, I got, I got method. I love that. You know, give me ether. Mark's like, yeah, we haven't used that in like forty years. When <laughs> yeah. yeah. he has to show him that, that he's like, I'm going to take this to crush this oh. part of your body, and he's like, it's yeah. fine. Just I'll bite on a bullet. Give me some bourbon. <laughs> oh yeah, send send a send a private out to get some bourbon. <laughs> No. No, and Please it's brilliant because <laughs> Green's just like, sorry, we're fresh out. Uh, yeah. We haven't done that for 50 years. You know, he's quite good at oh. kind of... Yeah. I mean, this guy is absolutely crazy. But I have to say, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about Civil War actors. It's quite an odd... It's a real big... I know there's people who really get into it. And it's just really... I'd like to find out more about the mindset and what it is that they enjoy about it. Because I... I, think, I, I yeah. Cringe. In, in my head, I have this ongoing theory that America isn't just a state, it's religion. So it's, to me, a, a Civil War enactment is almost like a passion play. Ah. In some ways, that's the way I'm thinking of it. They take it that seriously because it's part of the, the, the legend, I was about to say the myth, the legend of the creation of America. And that's it's, and it's, so true. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a bit of a weird theory I've had ever since Hillary Clinton mentioned about going on pilgrimage to Eleanor Roosevelt's cottage. It's like... Pilgrimage? Okay. It's um, so true. And the way people, I've been watching the West Wing and the way that they kind of mythologize and really yeah. the, the idea of the constitution and kind of the founding fathers. And it's such, it's this, it's, it's such like they talk about these people with such kind of dignity and grace and yeah. like you would, I, I'd never thought about that. That's brilliant insight, Ed. I love it. Thanks. I mean, we're, we're guilty of that in this country to a certain extent with Churchill oh, yeah. and World War Two in Gosh. certain quarters, but in America, I get the impression it's, it's much more wider ranging kind of belief in the, the mythos of America. Anyway, that's my PhD thesis. Like <laughs> Whereas over here in Ireland, you look at the leaders and you go, ah, look at your man with notions. Would you look at this state of him? I remember when he was passed out in a barge. Leah Loco, wow. I'm going to say something very strange now, and please don't like attack me. But I found this ending, and I'm not a Shep fan in any way, shape, or form. Please don't hurt me. Ed's got his fist <laughs> up ready. Um, <laughs> oh, God, that makes me horrible. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not a big Shep fan. But so we, we find Carol to, uh, so at the end of the episode. She's walking home, and we can hear kind of off screen somebody's Shep is 
like having trouble with something we realized he's basically somebody was trying to steal her roof tile so he was trying to help her out but he's actually breaking and she comes to join him on the top of the roof and you know they have a little bit of a kind of conversation about the fact that she tried to kill herself and and he's like he does say something quite sweet where he's like you know I'm kind of glad it didn't work and she says me too but there's just something for me about the two of them on this roof of this dilapidated broken house with the L driving past it and they're both kind of looking really hopeful and excited about life and I just thought there was something really beautiful in that and I'm not a chef fan but it felt very hopeful and like if them two can have hope when they're at the end of the world in a way why can't i i don't know oh no i know what you mean yeah it was actually a sweet moment i mean he tried to help he ended up putting an even bigger hole in the tree <laughs> yeah. so it was a bit i was slightly dubious about um yeah i'm still not <clears throat> on board for yeah. cheryl or Ket or whatever you want to call him but <laughs> it, it was a nice moment because he he knew he'd done wrong and he knew he wanted to make not just a grand gesture not just you know the, the cookie version which is flowers and blooms he wants to fix something he wants yeah. to address something that which I thought the sentiment was right, just maybe not the execution. Hey? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't so into the sense like what he did. I didn't like that that grand gesture thing. I found that annoying. What I liked is just that last kind of image of them both sitting on the roof with the L going past, sitting on this broken roof, both just kind of smiling about life. There was something about that moment for me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a nice place to end. Yeah. And while we end with them sitting on a roof, uh, will we do some drugs? Uh, yeah, is it she would see some drugs. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Step carefully first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of things that I um, picked up on before we get into Ebia. Um, so the uh, Mark mentions a few times acetaminophen levels, and I thought that's weird because she took Tylenol, whatever. But basically, acetaminophen is paracetamol. It's the actual proper name for it, or paracetamol. Gosh, um, you know. Yeah. So. It's not that much to go into. Yeah, it is branded as uh, Tylenol or, Tylenol or Ban- Panadol. But they did talk about activated uh, carbon, activated charcoal. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I was like, how do you activate car- charcoal or carbon? It's, it, it's there. But apparently they, they refine it uh, to make it more porous and therefore more absorb- absorptive. Absorbent, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, it's all right. All the words are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Um, but yeah, so that's what they use. Um, they administer it on the scene or at the hospital's emergency department. Uh, but also sometimes they're using hemoperfusion, which is basically, you know, running it through the blood. Um, and yeah, it, it binds the poison to prevent stomach and intestinal absorption. So it stops it basically doing as much damage. It's in yeah. there yeah. because paracetamol, it's not a you fall asleep and don't wake up sort of situation. It is five days to to two weeks of liver failure oh. basically so when they mentioned the livia yeah it's as ways to i don't know mirror you know echo chef and his idiotic things but yeah it's it's a rough rough stuff thing to do to yourself well that was grim <laughs> sorry <laughs> should we talk about who else everyone's been in here yeah Yes, uh, the uh, the Green State Killer shows up in ER. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Angela Patton who played, uh, yeah, who played Mrs. Ransom. She's the Green State Killer, which is strange. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Have you got any EH? 
so many, so many. I picked so, up on Kyle Kazlov, who is played by Austin O'Brien, who was yeah. in Last Action Hero and My Girl That's Too. Knew him from. Yeah, oh, Last yeah. Action Hero. I was like, he's so familiar, but he's he's like sprouted three feet since that film was released. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's this tall, gangly teenager. And then we've got Talmay Everett, who plays obviously Mr. Kazlov, and he's been in things like Benjamin Button, The West Wing, Air Force One, Franklin and Bash, all kinds of things. Uh, I've got Charles Cyphers, who played the reenactor. Oh, yeah. in the original Halloween. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Oh, well, I like that film. Who was he in that? He's also in the uh, remake, or not the remake, the follow on um, that was starting in the last few years, and he's going to be in Halloween Kills as well. Uh, it's a character called Bracket. I just realised I might have spoiled in case he was in any... Bracket? Oh, hang on. Sorry. Yeah, no, you uh, continue on uh, while I do Thank a rapid... Um, Charles... He's been in the Betty White show as well in the 70s. He's done. He's been around for a long, long time. He's in the Wonder Woman show, Roots, uh, Six Million Dollar Man. Wow. Yeah, he's done a hell of a lot. Yeah, he's also oh, in wow. the Lethal Weapon. He looks um, so different. Sorry, yeah. yeah, I know exactly who he is there. Oh, yeah, okay. Trivia, frequently cast by John Carpenter. Hmm, yes, you see. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, he's also in The Fog as well. Um, oh, no way. Sorry, yes, okay, I know exactly who he is now. He is the sheriff in Halloween for anyone who has seen Halloween. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Uh, I still haven't got around to watching it. Not. <gasps> That's all right. Well, it's Christmas, so it'll be an odd time to watch it. <laughs> no, not for me. <laughs> um, but also... Uh, the woman who plays Wilbur's mum is the actor uh, Terry Hoyos. And if you're a Parks and Rec fan, she played April Ludgate's mum. Oh, wow. I, no way. I am on season four, so I will be oh, keeping an yeah. eye out for her going forward. I think she's already been in there. I don't think she's in it much. Zuzu. But... She calls her Zuzu, doesn't she? Yeah, Zuzu. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay. But yeah, she's been in a hell of a lot as well. I think she was in, she was touched by an angel as well. Oh, um, another one. Who hasn't been touched by an angel? Another one just running court case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, State versus the Archangel Gabriel. But, um, but yeah, so plaintiffs? there's some good... Uh, and the lad, good Jonathan ones? Hernandez, was in Beverly Hills Cop 3. Wilbur. Oh. Yeah. I love the name Wilbur. Kid. Yeah, I know, it's cute. Malcolm in the Middle, loads of other stuff. But yeah. But Terry Hoyos was my favourite from that one. And also... Mrs. Uh, Mrs. What's her name? Uh, Ransom. Ransom. Thank you. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, I think right there we're going to call it. Thanks very much for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at you set the tone pod on Insta and at set underscore pod on Twitter. Now, I just want to take this moment, as this will be coming out on Christmas Eve to say, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. May you set the Christmas tone. <laughs> well played. Yeah, I'm so well played. Uh, <laughs> we will be back next week. I hope you have a lovely time. I hope you uh, yeah. spend time with the ones you love and uh, just stay safe um, yeah. over Christmas. Yeah. And remember, you set the tone.